Welcome back to the John Krasinski Show, part of the TalkNork.com podcast network. Subscribe to your favorite podcast app, best way to listen, and it's free. Uh, hold it. Uh, breaking news, John. Someone has just informed me that uh, as we're watching the NBA Finals, that Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry both have some nebulous connection to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I think that's something that should be talked about in this market. You'll have to explain that more to me, Jim. I'm unfamiliar with that. So uh, uh, this is yeah. Solid well, maybe shock. we'll get into that. Maybe you know. I mean, I, I'm thinking if you don't know, then probably a lot of people don't know. <laughs> That's right. It's it's been fascinating to watch Andrew Wiggins, and what I think is most interesting about Wiggins playing so well in the playoffs and so well in the finals is it doesn't negate any of the qualifiers we place on his success and the the reason they traded him. But you do have to give just simply give him credit. He's playing great. He is uh, absolutely playing great. And and you're right. Like we can say there are two things. I know that people sometimes have a hard time with this, but two things can be true at the same time. One is that the Timberwolves were going nowhere with an Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns centered roster. Even when they had Jimmy Butler, they they, they had hit a wall that they weren't going to go much higher than that. Um, and so they needed to make a move uh, and and to address that in some way and change up the, sh- the shape and the look of the roster. And so um, I don't think that we could have really expected uh, this kind of Andrew Wiggins to come forward in this Timberwolves, in a Timberwolves environment. Um, secondly, uh, that you can also grant that the Warriors have a better ecosystem and better role for him uh, than the Timberwolves did. And two is that what I really don't want to be lost here in the conversation is that Andrew Wiggins deserves a lot of credit for the way that he has embraced that and how hard he is playing right now. Um, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine out in the Bay Area kind of about this and you know you know from coming off of game five the the scoring you know the 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 shooting you know he was over six from three but getting to the basket uh getting to the line a little bit the 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 mid-range game all of that was nice and i and certainly timely for the warriors when steph was having a down period but the thing that stuck stuck out to me the most from the performance is like I've I've seen Andrew have big offensive nights before. I think he scored over forty seven times when he was in Minnesota. So like he's he's done that work before. That that was not surprising to me. What I have never seen Andrew Wiggins do is play with the relentlessness that he did in really in this series in general, but particularly in games four and five. The way that he's grabbing rebounds in traffic. The way that he is just dogging Jason Tatum all over the court. Um, The way that he is just playing with that intensity and that, you know, that want to, we never saw that here. Even when, even on his best games in Minnesota, he never brought that kind of energy to the equation. And so he deserves credit for summoning that somehow for finding a way to evolve, to, to get better, to thrive in that new, much better environment for him than this was. And so all of those things are true right now as Timberwolves fans are trying to both, you know, some are very happy for Wiggins. Some are, are very have sour grapes. So why didn't he do that here? 
Um, you can be mad at him for not doing it here and understand that it probably would not have happened here. And you can also ha- give him credit for, uh, for taking the next steps in his career and finding that path the way that he has in the finals because he's been easily, easily their second best player through the entire series. A couple of follow-ups on that one to remind you that this is TalkNorth.com. We appreciate you listening. You can also listen to John on the Viking Update Show, John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the Stark Review, and our producer is Brianne Burdett. And uh, our sponsors, Head Flyer Brewing, TSR Injury Law, and All Energy Solar. Do you, you know, the word culture become very overused in the sports world. But it was interesting when he listened to Anthony Edwards on that one interview talking about how when he worked out for the Warriors, Steve Kerr told him, hey, you got to do these things harder. You got to play harder. You got to be like Steph and you got to be like Clay. These are in incredible shape. They work relentlessly. You got to, I mean, is Wiggins responding to Kerr to being on the same team as Draymond Green and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to championship expectations? What do you think the key to his, his ascension is? Yeah, I mean, I I do think so. We can talk about this on on two paths. One is directly related to Wiggins and the Warriors. One is to the Wolves. We'll start with Wiggins and the Warriors. He Wiggins has talked time and time again about this. Um, he you come into that sphere, that ecosystem with Hall of Famers, with a coach who is as good at connecting with players and reaching them on a personal level as any coach in the league. You have a franchise that is just flush with cash and invests in the product and in the team. And it's entirely different from anything that Andrew Wiggins experienced in Minnesota. Like he had the one year of vets with Butler, with Jeff Teague, with uh, Derek Rose, with Taj Gibson, all of that. That was one year, but that was also a very chaotic year and a very tension-filled year. And in Golden State, with all of the winning that they have, with all of that equity and credibility built up, it's very similar to what San Antonio was uh, just recently with Duncan and Ginobili and Parker is like they set the standard. And so anyone who comes in from outside of that group and and comes into it you already know this is how it's done here like there's no questioning it because they've won a bunch of championships there's no uh pushing back on it because these guys are hall of famers and they they are the ones that are that are running the show and and so it's just if hey if you don't work here uh you're gonna be moving out you're losing this this battle here like we're the, the, the front office backing the coaching staff, they're backing their, their, their established players, and that's the tone that is set. And so, you know, Wiggins stepped into that, and certainly he has always been a player who just wanted to be led, who wanted to kind of do his work and stay out of the spotlight, let others take the attention, and let him get his. And, and so that part of it is, you know, just a remarkably easier role for Andrew Wiggins. Um, even you saw, even in game five, when even when Steph was not hitting threes at all, couldn't do it. Even when clay is not shooting well, it still demands a level of attention from the defense that it, that 
Jeff Teague, Ricky Rubio, uh, any name, any any player that Andrew Wiggins played with here is not is not pulling away from Wiggins. And so Wiggins had free runs to the basket. He had free, uh, you know, uncontested mid range jumpers. And to his credit, he knocked those down. But it's it all starts from the gravity that those guys command and 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 pull away from him and so that part of it is much easier but the overall cultural point is kind of the larger one that i wanted to get to for timberwolves fans and that is it let's take a look at carl anthony towns and what we heard at the tim Connolly press conference introducing him was a push for stability tim Connolly now has a five-year deal chris finch has a long-term deal um, there is an opportunity here for the Timberwolves to establish a level of stability and, cont- and continuity that just has not been there that the Warriors have had for more than a decade now. Um, and, and so Towns has had seven general managers and five head coaches in his seven years. Wiggins in Minnesota had, I believe, five general managers and four head coaches. Um, there was never any in five years for Wiggins, five plus years, there was never any sort of stability, anything to hang your hat on. And so you were always wondering when the next guy was going to get shown the door. And so there was no continuity, no carryover, none of that. And Wiggins has now blossomed in an environment where there is stability. You know, Bob Myers is the GM, you know, Steve Kerr, is the head coach. You know Steph Curry isn't going anywhere. You know Clay Thompson isn't going anywhere. Draymond Green isn't going anywhere. Like that is a remarkable environment to be raised in. And so if the Timberwolves can start to create an environment where um you know Tim Connolly is leading, you know Chris Finch is coaching, you know Anthony Edwards is going to be here, you know Carl Anthony Towns is going to be here. Like you know, Jaden McDaniels is going to be here, like those types of things. I I think that that can even help bring out more in towns who has been a far better player and had a far better career so far than Andrew Wiggins. But I still think that there is a level that towns can reach that he has not reached yet because he can get some stability and tranquility around him and thrive in that area the way that Wiggins has done that in Golden State. Well said. I want to get into D'Angelo Russell, then I want to revisit some th- aspects of the Warriors' success that uh, the Wolves are chasing. First of all, though, I do want to let you know that utility costs are rising every year. Whether you are looking to buy your home, sell your home, uh, or just reduce your current bills, or just do what's best for our country and for our environment, uh, you want to work with All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. Remember, Utility costs rising costs you money unnecessarily, and it doesn't have to be that way with the new system from All Energy Solar. Even if you take out a loan to finance your installation, you'll still save money in the long run. The loan payment will likely be less than what you would pay for electricity every month, and it's a locked-in price that won't change. So start saving and make the switch to All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com. John, tell us about Head Flyer Brewing. Yeah, my wife and I took the kids to Head Flyer uh, just on on Saturday. It sounds like a Wisconsin story. <laughs> it is. Uh, we did not serve the kids the beer. I'll tell you that. But um, they had a corn dog food truck out there. You can bring your own food. We sat out on a picnic table right out in front. Wife and I had a had a couple of beers, and the kid and we played uh, put a board game out. 
and and played a game just to, on a very nice uh, Saturday evening and and just really enjoyed ourselves. There were other you know little kids, babies, you know, kind of being lugged around and things like that. It's a family friendly environment. It's a very chill environment. Or you know, we also saw the same day uh, showing up there around you know Saturday evening that um, you know there was a a, a bunch of younger kids in their 20s that I think were either going to a wedding or going to some sort of, uh, you know, kind of pre-gathering before they before they hit the town and and we're out there having a great time too. So you can go to Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis with your kids, with your dog, with a bunch of your friends, and everyone can have a good time. Uh, stop by, tell Neil and, and the rest of the guys there that the John Krasinski show sent you, have a crunch time beer, have any kind of IPAs, American lagers, all their great beers. Check out some of their swag. Headflyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis on uh, just on Hennepin Avenue, Northeast, just off of 35W. TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. If you are injured, you need good help. You need trustworthy help. You need to be helped by people who win their cases. Uh, TSR Injury Law keeps growing their business and built, and moving to – now they've moved in a beautiful new building. They did it because they win cases for people like you, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, also, a reminder, we've added the Pross Box, which is the Prosser brothers, uh, Nate Prosser, cool guy, used to play for the Timberwolves, I mean, used to play for the Minnesota Wild, excuse me. Uh, Dave Lee's uh, doing a show for us now of WCCO fame, Mike Grimm's Go Gopher podcast. Of course, you get a lot of Krasinski on this uh, network, Russo, LaPanta, Cheryl Reeve, John uh, uh, Lavelle Neal, Roy Smalley, I could go on and on, John Millay, uh, and all of our outdoor content, Destination Polaris, The Flush, Reverend Hunter, everything else. Check out TalkNorth.com, and you'll find a show you like. It's that simple. So now we're we're hearing rumors and reports that the Timberwolves are either shopping D'Angelo Russell or interested in shopping D'Angelo Russell. Uh, where Where is this on the you know rumor-to-truth ratio at this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that here's the way that I put it. People right now, um, fans, and I totally get it, are clamoring for transaction news, are salivating over the deals that are going to be coming leading into next week's draft. And so every adjective, every verb, every every word that is used to describe or try to characterize the potential movement of players is going to get a lot of attention. And I would say that I would just caution some fans in terms of looking too much into, you know, saying the wolves are, you know, quote unquote shopping D'Angelo Russell. I think that implies that they are out there, you know, really offering him up and, 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 and trying hard to move him. I, here's the way that I understand it as of right now is that, um, the Wolves certainly are trying to gauge the market for a lot of their players, including D'Angelo Russell. They are, you know, they're considering options in that regard. But given how much flexibility is there to be gained for them if they hold on to him for one more season and his $30 million comes off the books at the end of next year, maybe Malik Beasley, uh, his, his money comes off the books. Uh, Patrick Beverly, there is a potential that uh, that there could be an enormous amount 
of salary cap room and flexibility that is afforded the Timberwolves if they just hold the fort as is. And so because of that and because there are certainly people in the front office who say, hey, look, yeah, maybe D'Angelo Russell isn't a perfect player, but he's still pretty productive. And he still was a big part of winning 46 games for the Timberwolves that they there is not a feeling like they have to move D'Angelo Russell right now. They had to move Andrew Wiggins when they made the Wiggins for Russell swap. Obviously, Gerson Rosas really wanted D'Angelo Russell and saw a player that they really liked and thought could complement Carl Anthony Towns. But also, Wiggins was in the middle of a max contract and the team was floundering and they needed to get off of him and break that up. And so that's why they were very aggressive in trying to move Wiggins and attaching the pick and doing all of those things. I don't think that there is the same mentality this time with D'Angelo Russell. They have proven to have real success with Russell in the regular season. They also have shown that, you know, Russell is a is a good player if a incons- if an inconsistent one. And so they're going to look and it is entirely possible that they do find a deal, but if they do find one, it is not going to be of the ilk where they're paying a premium to get off of D'Angelo Russell's contract. And so that's a long way of saying he could get moved. He could not get moved. It is not a, 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 an urgent kind of situation for the wolves. They're, they're exploring their options and seeing what is out there. I'm glad you put it that way. I appreciate that. I get asked all the time about trade rumors and I'm like, well, they're called trade rumors for a reason, you know, until, until you see certain people reporting on something uh, that's actually in the works. It's just it's just fodder more than anything else. Uh, what uh, obviously we'll do a draft preview show next week. Anything you want to say about the draft and the Wolves' position at this point? Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, I've, uh, I'm just I'm really diving into it this week and and looking at some of their options, especially at 19. I spoke to Tim Conley last week for a piece at the Athletic, and you know, shockingly, right? But like. He, I, and I, but I do believe it. Like I think they feel pretty strongly about their position at 19 and being able to get a player who could help them next season. Um, you know, Tim Connolly prior to coming to Minnesota was at Denver, and they are picking 21st, and so he is looking was looking at a lot of the same players who are in the same pool for 21 that he's looking at for, with the Timberwolves for 19. So he's very familiar with the prospects, with kind of the way that the board is going to shake out. And I do think he likes his spot at 19. And so um, they, they certainly will entertain uh, trade possibilities and bringing in veteran you know, for, for 19 or packaging 19 with another player and, and, and going and, and, and trying to get something else. But they do like their, their, uh, their position there. I, you know, the, kind of the names that you hear you know, uh, Ohio State's EJ Liddell is only six seven, but he's a kind of a defensive front court, big, strong dude that can rebound and block shots. Um, you know, the, uh, there's a uh, the, the, there's a guy from Serbia, which is kind of funny. His name's Nikola Jovic, and mm-hmm. obviously uh, uh, Tim Connolly drafted Jokic in the second round. Um, but I, I do think like he's a six eleven, pretty skilled guy. There's, you know, Ty Ty Washington there. If they look, if they need to find another point guard, if they're moving off of Russell there, there's, there's all sorts of different 
options available, both at the wing point guard and maybe one or two in the big man area that they can look at. And so they're going to have flexibility there. They're going to have options at 19. And I also, Tim Conley also said they really like their spot at 40. They have three second round picks and 40th is their highest. Then they think that they might be able to get a guy there that they can at least entertain. And this is a, a, a GM who's gotten Monte Morris. He drafted Jared Vanderbilt in the second round. Jokic, obviously. Um, he's found really good players in the second round who come in and contribute. So um, I think they feel pretty good about their spots. Um, and I, I think we'll have more specifics and more details by the time we record next week leading into the, uh, uh, the, the draft on Thursday night. Anything else jump out at you about your conversation with Connolly? Just kind of like, uh, just, just I would say his process of trying to get settled in here, it's been a real whirlwind. Um, he is, you know, he's hired a couple of guys, Matt Lloyd, Dell Demps, um, to, to bring in guys who are, you know, he's very familiar with and has a longstanding relationship with. So that is going to help him make the transition. But he's also, you know, really getting to know Sachin Gupta really getting to know Steve Sr., who's a new hire from Memphis, getting to know Joe Branch and Manny Rohan and all of their analytics staff. And I think it's a bit of a drink from the fire hose type of a time for him right now while he's trying to organize getting his family moved here uh, later, you know, in the summer as well from Denver. So he's he's kind of going you know, 10,000 miles an hour and, and trying to, to kind of figure it out and get all settled in. But uh, one thing that I do think that he really conveyed and that he really believes in is he believes he's ready for this draft and that he's put in a lot of work on these players. He's seen most of them. He is a scout by nature and by heart. And so um, I, I think that while he's still trying to gauge trade markets and really kind of evaluate the players that he's inherited and, and, and all of those things, I think he has a very good handle on the, the, the draft prospects and who he likes and who he doesn't and, and what to do when it comes, if they you know, come to being on the clock next week and, being, uh, and, and picking a player. I think he feels really good about that. Next week, we will do an NBA draft preview and a Timberwolves draft preview. We'll get more into how we think the uh, front office is going to sort things out in terms of responsibilities and power and everything else. For today, I wanted, uh, our friend Ann Killian, the great columnist from the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, was, was tweeting the other day that, uh, that she wonders if Steph Curry, it, it, if, if you were putting them on a scale, and you're looking at the way other people, people outside the market, look at the Warriors. Do people love Steph Curry more than they hate Draymond Green? Where where do those two <laughs> rank? Ooh, that's I mean that's a great question. Um, I I it just I I unfortunately like I I probably just given the the state of discourse in our nation and certainly on social media, you'd probably say that the hate outweighs the love just I, i'm people love to be mad at, uh, these days they they what do you mean they by really, that <laughs> they really like to argue they really like to yell and scream and vent and do all those things and so you know my guess is is that uh more people get up for uh for for trying to tear draymond green down than 
they do for lifting Steph Curry up, which is unfortunate because, you know, Curry is the one of the defining players ever in the history of the NBA. And, you know, just enjoy it while he is around because I, I think he's still got plenty of years left in him. But to see him at this level uh, in the finals, playing the way that he has outside of game five, obviously, and and the way that he's conducted himself as a professional and, and just changed the game and all those things, uh, he is singular. And and so I hope that I hope that fans are being able to do both things as we started this podcast with. You can still have your hate for Draymond and the way that he, you know, kind of is a bully on the court and and talks a lot of trash and 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 wears people out that way, but also have a lot of love for for Steph and what you're seeing because it's historic and it might be a long, long time before we see another guy like this. Yeah, and I know for me, uh, I, I think Curry is one of the easiest professional athletes, easiest of the greats to root for that I've ever witnessed in my many years on this earth. Um, you know, when I grew up, growing up, we didn't know quite as much about the people we we idolized. But, you know, I, I was very lucky. One of my first sports idols was Brooks Robinson, and he was a great player. He wasn't Steph Curry great, but he was a great, very good baseball player. And I got to find out over the course of the years, both interacting with him and people who knew him, that it turned out he was like one of the greatest human beings. You know, I got very lucky. Steph Curry's like that, only he's way better at basketball than Brooks Robinson even was at baseball. Uh, and the other th- and thing about Draymond is I really th- – he can – listen, it can be annoying to watch somebody, you know, argue every call and get texts and and be that emotional on the court. But for me, he is – he is, has more positives than negatives. Uh, the fact that he is so unselfish, that he cares only about winning, uh, that he is very happy to set up his teammates, that he – he demands that his, his teammates play hard. That he he has a lot of leadership and 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 uh, you know cultural positives that to me way outweigh the tantrums. A hundred percent. And yes, like I I do think that the antics definitely overshadow his brilliance as a player. Um, I think that there are a lot of more casual NBA fans. And I'm actually in a debate with one on Twitter right now, which is never a good idea, but like um, that honestly believe that Draymond Green is overrated, that he just be, he's only benefiting from Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and playing with other hall of fame shooters and that he would not be the same player on our team. Now, maybe he would not be a, a three-time champion and, you know, and, and have won quite as much if he's playing for Minnesota or Portland or, or any other team. But uh, if you don't see the value that he brings on a possession to possession basis with his defensive IQ, with his instincts, with his ability to control a game offensively, even without scoring, even though I do think in these finals and over the last year or so, the the offense has deteriorated for him in a way like he is a little more Ben Simmonsy now in terms of just like refusing to shoot, like not, not even being remotely a threat. And, you know, this is belies what he was just a few short years ago. I mean, he was a versatile offensive weapon. Um, you know, not a guy who scored 40 every night, but a guy who could get you into the mid twenties easily. 
um, and could hit threes and, and do a bunch of different things. He just has stopped doing that. And I don't know why, but that, you know, that tangent aside, it, he's, he's unbelievable as a quarterback of an offense, as a, as a tone setter, as all of those things. Um, I, I think that he has been diminished for his teammates and for his actions, you know, you know, and, and I think that that has just muddied the waters when people look at him, but he is a terrific hall of fame, incredible player, um, that has earned every bit of the success that he's had and done it in a way that is not conventional, unconventional. I mean, he's, he's, he's succeeding as a big who is not, you know, very big and he's using his smarts and his guile and his instincts and his ability to read people and and do all that to account for shortcomings in height and shortcomings in now athleticism. He was really super athletic earlier on, but he's lost a step that way and he's still finding a a way to be incredibly impactful. And so, um, yeah, I, I just think that, uh, the attitude part of it gets people sideways, but as a player, he's, he's phenomenal. He is. Let's get a final thought from John on anything he likes. Once again, thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We do recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Go to TalkNorth.com to check out all the other shows. Listen to the Viking Update shows. John and I talk about our many years covering and watching the Vikings. And uh, thanks to our producer again, Brett, Brian Burdett. Uh, John, hit us with a final thought. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to um, now things one, you know, things kind of picking up steam again in the next 10 days or so leading into the draft. I mean, there are going to be trade rumors flying around. There are absolutely, I would say, starting probably this weekend is when the real substantive conversations about picks, about trades, about you know contract negotiations and things like that are going to start picking up so far. It's just been a lot of jockeying, even, you know, for, for Connolly, for every executive, you're kind of throwing some smoke out there. You're holding your cards close to your vest. You're kind of seeing if you can hoodwink somebody into, you know, a, a, a deal that is incredibly favorable to one side over the other. And nobody's biting on any of that stuff. But as we get into Sunday, into Monday, into Tuesday, that's when the rubber starts meeting the road. And that's when you, you kind of dispense with a lot of the BS and you just say, okay, what do you really want to do? Like, what, what are you really willing to engage on in good faith discussions on trades and things like that? And so that should make uh, for a very eventful and very intriguing start of next week going into the Thursday, the 23rd draft. I mean, that's the Timberwolves, I think, are going to be active in these talks and they're going to be involved and so there's going to be a lot of things flying around and that's when it's that's when it's fun so we've kind of been in this little bit of a limbo period as Connolly has gotten established and is trying to settle in and get a read on things and everyone's kind of just in the in the uh the the poker face part of of, of the off season but cards are going to be put on the table early next week and that's when we'll start to see some action pick up Looking forward to next week's show. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. And we will be back next week on the John Krasinski Show.